I'm convinced that the American church has arrived at an impossibly, almost unbearably significant moment of truth. American church is now to where the German church stood in the face of the impending Nazi regime in the early 1930s are unavoidable and grim. The question is whether we might recognize those parallels and take action to avoid the fatal mistakes the German church made during that time. If we do not, I am convinced we will face destruction in an even greater way than they did. Though it might be a gruesome thing to consider, the monstrous evil that befell the civilized world at that time, precisely because of the German church's failure, is merely a foretaste of what will befall the world if the American church fails in a similar way in this hour. We must understand the ideology that we're dealing with as it relates to Germany in the 1930s. Now, when we think of the death camps and the murder of so many millions over the course of that time, we need to understand that in the beginning, most citizens, including church members in Germany, had no idea where it was leading and had no idea that they were facing nothing less than the forces of Antichrist. On February 1st, 1933, two days after Hitler became the elected chancellor of Germany, a 26-year-old theologian and pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave a radio address on what he called the Führer principle. The Führer must the Geführten from the Autorität seiner Person weg zur Anerkennung der echten Autorität der Ordnungen und des Amtes führen. A speech that challenged the idea of what a leader, a Führer, should be and what it means to be a godly leader. That speech boldly and directly challenged Hitler and his new position as Führer. Now, before Dietrich could finish the speech, the radio signal was cut off. He warned about the popular Fuhrer principle, which was the idea that a leader should have absolute power over his people and be seen effectively as a messianic figure. Hitler presented that principle to the German people, but it dramatically was opposed to the biblical idea of leadership. In the last 2,000 years, God has sent prophetic figures to call the people of God to be the church by speaking out and taking action. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of those who did just that. He sounded the alarm to Hitler's plans and called on the German church to stand against the evils of the Nazi party. Now, on that day in early 1933, Bonhoeffer was effectively canceled because of that speech. In the years to follow, Bonhoeffer was criticized for being too political. Bonhoeffer urged the church to reject it. Through the lens of his Christian faith, when he saw that the German Jews began to be wickedly persecuted, he knew he had an obligation to speak out. 
and was compelled to do everything he could unto the point of surrendering his own life for what he knew to be right. What the Nazis did first, just after Bonhoeffer's radio address and a mere four weeks into Hitler's chancellorship is interesting. What they did was they used an event, the Reichstag fire, to their political advantage. A supposed Dutch madman set fire to the parliament building in Berlin, which is the German equivalent of the US Capitol building in Washington, DC. The Nazi used the fire as an excuse to enact sweeping emergency decrees that suddenly allowed Hitler to do things without the approval of the German parliament. The Nazis also took control of the media narrative and instantly whipped up a hysterical fear of the communists and other political opponents whom they insisted were to blame for the burning of the Reichstag despite evidence to the contrary. Their goal was to crush dissent by instilling fear in anyone who wished to object. Although Adolf Hitler was wisely coy about the details, he was deeply dedicated to fundamentally changing Germany. This meant bringing everything in German life, including the German church, into line with Nazi doctrines. Once he had the power and the opportunity to act, Hitler did so with lightning speed and things changed very quickly. But what is amazing and horrifying is that many in the German church were willing to look away. Bonhoeffer effectively told the church that if we we're going to see any effective change for the better, they needed to start taking action and getting political. He said those who call themselves Christians have an obligation to God to get political if necessary and to take a bold and likely dangerous stand against their own government. Bonhoeffer dared to call upon his fellow church leaders to stand with him against the actions of their government. And this led to Dietrich and other German theologians and Lutheran pastors to form the Confessing Church. They professed their allegiance to God and declared the Confessing Church to be the true church in Germany, free from Nazi interference and submitted only to God. In May of 1934, this group of Christian leaders drafted and published what has come to be called the Barman Declaration. It essentially said that the German state must not and could not co-opt the church and the sanctity and separation of the church from the state must be crystal clear. But what is shocking is that most pastors in Germany were not willing to sign it. Perhaps they, like so many in the American church today, thought it safer to sit on the sidelines, to comply and to do nothing. Now in 1935, a year after the Barman Declaration was drafted, there were roughly 18,000 Protestant pastors in Germany. We aren't sure exactly how many of those 18,000 signed the Barman Declaration and identified themselves with the Confessing Church, but it seems to have been nearly 6,000, about a third. But what we do know is that the Nazis were so aggressive in persecuting those who dared to stand against them, that already a year after the Barman Declaration, in 1935, only about 3,000 of the 18,000 pastors stood strongly on the side of the Confessing Church. Roughly the same number, about 3,000, were part of the church who stood staunchly with Hitler against the Confessing Church. So it's sobering that only one-sixth of the German pastors dared to stand boldly on what we can now see as an extremely important principle, theologically and morally. Perhaps most interesting are the 12,000 pastors who weren't willing to take a stand one way or the other. Somehow, they simply didn't have the courage to take a bold stand along such lines. It seems they reckoned it the better part of valor to let the 3,000 
take all the heat. So with the silence and compliance of the 12,000 pastors, the Nazis began arresting and otherwise persecuting those pastors who had been willing to take a stand. I know for a fact, and Bonhoeffer knew, that if any of those 12,000 had done that, history would have been dramatically changed. The question is, what is happening in America today? And will the American church learn from what happened in the past? Many church leaders don't seem to realize or understand that cultural Marxism has infiltrated the United States and the American church. Many ideas and theories that have become so commonplace today are inherently atheistic and diametrically opposed to the God Christians claim to represent and serve. Where we are now in America could hardly be more serious. Marxists must destroy the family, religion, and property. That's it. They, they are focused on those three things. So they must destroy people's connection with the divine, they must destroy the nuclear family, and they must destroy your ability to own stuff. Uh, I, I believe Marxism is satanic, it's demonic, it's everything that John 10.10 tells us about, where it's the enemy has come to steal and destroy, and Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. What did Hitler do? He went after the disagreeable church. He destroyed the idea of the family and he went after people's property. And so any tyrant must do that because those three things are a threat to their power. It's totalitarianism. That, that's what's more important is that Marxism will always, always lead to totalitarianism, which is a smaller and smaller group of people that have more and more power. Cultural Marxism comes from Antonio Gramsci who wrote in the letters from prison, late 1920s and early 1930s, and was adopted by Herbert Marcuse from the Frankfurt School and, and imported into America, where they said that economic Marxism wasn't enough and we need some sort of cultural dynamic, right, to assume a cultural identity. And they did it first through race, then through gender, and it's incredibly effective. Herbert Marcuse wrote very explicitly that the working class was no longer a natural basis for a proletariat, a, a radical block that might overthrow the country in revolution. And so we're going to look somewhere else where the vital energy, he said, for revolution is. And he said that's in the racial minorities, the ghetto population, the sexual minorities, the feminists, the outsiders, the dissidents. And that became the new basis. Herbert Marcuse studied what Mao was doing in the Chinese Cultural Revolution and applied it. And the answer, one of the answers anyway, for how Mao took over China was through identity politics. Mao erected a system of identity politics in China using communist identities. The good categories were red for communist. And so red identity people or their children got treated better and well and celebrated and affirmed, if we might use modern language, uh, particularly the children. And so there was a pressure to want to become a revolutionary. There was also a psychological pressure to do everything you had to do to keep that status. If it was rat out your neighbors, if it was lie, if it was go destroy property, anything you could do to keep your red classification, because if you had red classification, you were a citizen. And if you were not, if you were a black, category person. You are not a person at all. You are not a citizen. You are enemies of the people. So when you see the People's Republic of China, it was only for the red category of identities. So if you were a black class, you lost your right to vote, you lost your right to speak, you'd get harassed and bullied, your children would get treated badly in school and so on. The thing to understand about the black classes is that they're contagious. 
works like a social credit system. If you spend time with somebody with bad social credit, you catch bad social credit for being around a bad element or a counter-revolutionary or a dissident uh, or a right-winger. And that pressure pump is exactly what we got reproduced in America using identity categories that are sensitive to the American context. However, we can get into racial identity politics or sexual identity politics or gender or any number of other categories. So we've developed this other form of identity politics off the model of Marcuse, who borrowed it from Mao. And everybody who's been paying attention for the last five to 10 years is very aware of how identity politics has pressured all of American institutions, American schools, American corporations, American churches into this Marxist mindset. BLM is a Marxist organization because the founder of BLM said that she was a trained Marxist. Patrice Cullors said this in a video, and that video went viral, and she said that she was uh, very much so steeped in, in Marxism. Myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. First and foremost, they seek to destroy the nuclear family. One of the things that I saw on the BLM website when I went to it before it became defunct is that they wanted to destroy the nuclear family. There was this desire to prop up this system where gender roles and boundaries are now blurred in the name of redefining the family. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are part and parcel to the entire kind of Western cultural Marxism phenomenon. Uh, diversity and inclusion turn out to be excuses to justify the identity politics game that I described earlier as being intrinsically Maoist. I like to call it Maoism with American characteristics because Mao said that he was doing Marxism with Chinese characteristics. So equity is a rebranding of socialism that now is no longer just about material like wealth, but is also including cultural capital, social capital, maybe human capital. So when you understand that equity is socialism and you understand that equity is the goal of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we can ask, well, what are diversity and inclusion about? You'll notice, for example, uh, Larry Elder ran for governor as a conservative in California, and they, the LA Times reported that he was the black face of white supremacy. So being black doesn't mean that you're actually black. We had Ayanna Presley, who's a sitting congresswoman. She said that we don't need any more black faces who don't want to be black voices. So obviously there's a right and wrong way to be black or brown, and it has to do with how you use your voice. I can identify with what Larry Elder has gone through while being a leader in California. I spoke at a school board meeting and I talked about the 10 things that black students don't need in education. We don't need affirmative action. Number two, we don't need equity. Number three, we don't need to be pandered to. Number four, we don't need you to dumb down test scores in order for us to thrive. Number five, we don't need a school system promoting victim mentality. Number six, we don't need the soft bigotry of low expectations as we have heard from other people. Instead of pushing filth on children, instead of pushing Harvey milk on kids, give them the sincere milk of the word of God. God bless you. It's clear, if you fail to bow to the idols of leftist doctrines, then they will label you as a white supremacist. And so I don't support many of the things that the left pushes. So therefore, I am now wearing blackface. According to critical race theory, you're automatically complicit in the racism. So turns out, with the gender and sexual minorities, those are entirely subjective. In other words, you can change those if you choose. So if you suddenly are being bullied about your race, and especially imagine if you're a young person, a young girl in particular, very sensitive to this, and you're a basic white girl or a basic Asian girl or basic white-skinned Latina or something like this, you're made to feel very bad about your racial identity that you can't do anything about. But if you have a sudden soul search in the midst of this identity crisis they've forced upon you, you can realize maybe I am bisexual or pansexual or demisexual or panromantic or any number of these hundreds of things with flags and so on that they've created. You can adopt a 
sexual or gender identity. Maybe I'm bi-gender, whatever that means. And so you can adopt this and then guess what they do? They affirm you. They celebrate you. You become super cool. The social environment has been constructed to reinforce that. The school environment has been constructed to reinforce that. If they can do it at the church, the church environment will be designed to reinforce that instead of to pull you back from that. The very first pages of Genesis declare that God created us male and female in His image. What could possibly be more simple and clear? Everyone in the world knows a rooster cannot lay an egg, and a man cannot have a womb and cannot menstruate or give birth or lactate or be a mother. But who will say it? And if they do, will they face an angry mob who calls them bigots who hate? My name is Chloe Cole, and I'm a detransitioner. Another way to put that would be, I used to believe that I was born in the wrong body, and the adults in my life whom I trusted affirmed my belief and this caused me lifelong irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. I speak to you in the hope that you will have the courage to bring the scandal to an end and ensure that other vulnerable teenagers, children and young adults don't go through what I went through. This caused permanent changes to my body. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. I look in the mirror sometimes and I feel like a monster. We hear about young women who've dedicated their whole beings to athletic excellence only to be roughly shoved aside in what ought to be their long-awaited moment of triumph by a man who, to the applause of a hopelessly confused and broken culture, claims suddenly to be a woman. He wins gold medals, Woman of the Year, leaving biological women in the dust. On March 17th of 2022, my teammates and I, as well as female swimmers from universities around the country, were forced to compete against biological male Leah Thomas. Thomas was allowed to compete in the women's division after competing as a member of the University of Pennsylvania's men's swim team for three years as Will Thomas. I was punched, um, I was hit multiple times, I was shoved, until finally we exited the room, um, but we could not leave because the protesters flooded the halls, and so I was pushed into a classroom along that hallway where I was barricaded in for three hours. This does not deter me. This assures me that I am doing the right thing this will not silence me when they want me to be silenced. It just means I need to speak louder. It's the dramatic end to a competitive and controversial weekend for Mac Beggs. The 17-year-old Dallas area high school student won the title of champion in the girls' state wrestling competition Saturday. These young women who train their whole life to compete at very collegiate high levels, they are being dismissed. They are being told, you have to agree with me you, because this is what I feel. It, it's so unfair and I don't know what the answer is outside of getting new people in leadership who say, no, we're not gonna play this game. We are not gonna allow this behavior because it's wrong. And do we have people in this leadership position doing this? No, today we have so many people who are screaming, give them rights. Many states have lawmakers that feel like they can involve themselves in this very personal process. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. Again, it starts back with the church because the church is responsible. The church is responsible to speak the truth. And I think the church has given up the mantle of that. So Mao used this pressure pump with young people to create what he called the Red Guard. And their critical race theory, queer theory are working as a one-two punch to set up a identity politics that creates what we might call a rainbow guard in our society. So Drag Queen Story Hour, you can think of as kind of like a baptism into this queer Marxist religion. You can think of it as an initiation ceremony, an initiation rite, and the drag queen is a priest that's dragging these kids into this destructive uh, queer Marxist religion. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. 
children are being subjected to unimaginably inappropriate ideas veiled within the pride movement by teachers who are paid with our tax dollars. Robertson has three children in the Benicia school system. Last April, she spoke up at a school board meeting about her opposition to a new sex education curriculum. It's not a choice. People are not gender fluid. And to teach our children this is not okay. She says opponents were quick to publish editorials online and in local media, calling her a bigot and transphobic. She believes the public backlash and subsequent letters she says were written to her employer, Compass Real Estate, led to her being let go 10 days later. And their parents have even been told that their children's education is no concern of theirs and that the state will choose what and how they learn. Topher is LGBTQ History Month, and today is also National Coming Out Day. Also starting today, suggested lesson plans that were sent out by the LAUSD's Board of Education will be used to talk to kids about LGBTQ plus topics. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Will convert your children. Someone's gotta teach them not to hate. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. Well, American culture is too patriarchal, it's too white, it's too this, it's too that, it's transphobic, it's homophobic, it hates people like you, your parents will disown you. And so it creates the conditions also to disown your parents, just like Mao did. You come home, you tell your parents, you think I might be the other sex or something, your parents are confused, they say, no, I don't think you are, and they're very alarmed and they care about you, and then you don't understand me, mom. You just don't know what it's like. It's not like when you were a kid, and that division's happening. Meanwhile, the schools are literally teaching that maybe your parents aren't the best trusted adult to tell these things to, because maybe it'll, it'll get ugly. And now we have states actively saying that parents have to affirm it or they could lose their kids. So the states are stepping in beyond the school's affirmation of it and setting children, I should say, again, their, their parents, just like what Mao did. So it's destabilizing them in their, their minds. It's destabilizing their relationship with their families. I think their plan to make the family disintegrate has been highly effective. Mm -hmm. And it's been a long play. But now you see what scripture talks about in end times, the rebellion mm -hmm. against parents, self-love, people calling good evil and evil good. Look how the school system has ripped kids away from their families. I mean, it's extreme right now. AB 665 would allow kids 12 and up to leave home and check into a residential facility without parental consent. This is a bill about stripping parents of their fundamental rights to take care of their children. Not only that, but their actual legal obligation and ethical and moral obligation to take care of their children without due process of law, without notice, without any allegations of abuse or neglect, and without an opportunity to defend themselves before the child, child is removed from their custody. I mean, the youth is everything. I mean, the Hitler example is well known, Hitler youth. The, the Mao example, I think, is interesting. Uh, and it's the Stalin one, too. So you've heard the expression Mother Russia, right? That actually was an idea that your true mother is the state, is the Stalinistic USSR government. Or you've heard the expression like, oh, Mao's Red Guard. Mao understood, again, what do Marxists have to do? Three things. Get rid of religion, get rid of family and property. That's it. So Mao understood that he had to get rid of family. And he incentivized young kids to turn in their parents, paid them gave them meals, candy, cash, and that's what happened. Hundreds of thousands of young kids who are now, by the way, in their 80s or 90s in the CCP, turned in their parents for execution. And he broke apart the family because in communist China, the CCP China, there really was no thing as a, as a family. You would raise the kid and then you would just give it off to the state. And that's exactly what they're trying to do now. They've said time and time again, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, these are not your kids. These are our kids. You've heard me say it many times about our children. But it's true. They're all our children. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. When you see our kids, and I truly believe that they are our children. They are the children of our country, of our communities. And what is the one of the Ten Commandments that involves a promise and your nation? Honor your mother and father. Treat heavily your mother and father so that you may live long in the land of which you are in. 
We will cease to live long in, in America if you do not honor your parents. It's a very simple chain. Get the schools, uh, the teachers go to, get the teachers, get the students, get the future. Well, it turns out this works the same in other domains. It's the same model. If you can capture the seminaries, then you're going to capture the pastors. And if you capture the pastors, then you're going to capture the laity, the people listening in the pews, having their values transformed to misunderstand their religion in terms of the sustainable inclusion, uh, whatever the, the operating procedure is of communism, basically. But the goal of getting in to not destroy Christianity, but to infiltrate and overwhelm from within is the Gramscian or Western Marxism model. And so the way that it's insinuated itself into every facet of American life is through our culture producing institutions. The World Economic Forum has been openly working with the CCP very enthusiastically since at least the late 1970s. It's quoted in a 2016 document published by the World Economic Forum on the role of faith in global challenges. The printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? Um, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. They can do a lot through education, but it's much stronger if you can get it through religious commitment. And they've known this for 50 years, and they've been working this for 50 years. In the last several years, maybe since 2007 or 8 or so, they have been doing explicit outreach and bringing leading American pastors. Hi, YouTubers. I'm Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven uh, Life and uh, Pastor of Saddleback Church. I'm here at Davos with a lot of my friends, and we're talking about what are the biggest problems on the planet and how are we going to solve them. The church was global 200 years before Davos even started talking about globalization. They've understood for 50 years, for virtually their entire existence, that faith is somehow central to transforming the values of the people around the world in order to move their agenda. They're not going to be able to force a new communist set of values on the world unless they're able to get people to accept it through the faith process. At the Supreme Court today, an historic upheaval in a sweeping ruling that overturned a half a century of precedence, five justices ended the right of American women to choose abortion under the Constitution. Abortion is there is no longer a federal constitutional right to an abortion. The Supreme Court has essentially reshaped American life. It's going to be legal chaos. Where abortion is legal in about half the states, illegal in half the states. Where was the cheering of pastors from coast to coast when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade after nearly 50 years? Are we afraid to say that abortion is morally wrong and that under no circumstances must we equivocate on it? The party of pro-choice is actually now the party of pro-death as they support millions of children dying in the hands of a torturous medical procedure. One of the things the church doesn't really understand today, unfortunately, is that abortion, this evil that we talk about, which should be called child sacrifice, biblically and historically speaking, is not like this unique evil. It's not even detached from the larger uh, history of humanity. What did the founder of Planned Parenthood, by the way, whose body count is greater than Stalin, Mao, and Adolf Hitler combined, okay, that's who we're talking about. What did she just say right before she founds her organization, Planned Parenthood? She says, birth control appeals to us because, because it's a way to undermine the authority of the Christian church. Eugenics says anyone could be defined as unfit to live because we get to define what kind of genes or qualities are good and should be encouraged and flourished and what kind of genes and qualities are really dangerous. And, and for the welfare of humanity and the survival of the animal human species, you need to be prevented from reproducing. You need to abort your children and we need to maybe, actually, actually, you know what, maybe we need to forcibly sterilize you so you can't have any kids. That's the spirit of eugenics. Keep your rosaries off my ovaries. Keep 
people begin to be devalued and the society begins to break down. And right now we have a society that devalues human beings. We see that with abortion all over the United States. We say, unless you've passed this uterine wall, you don't have value anymore. It's the same way of saying, if you look a certain way or you come from a certain group of people, you don't have value anymore. So the church bought this lie that abortion is reproductive health care. Uh, in fact, in 1973 with Roe vs. Wade, Harry Blackman, who wrote the decision in Roe vs. Wade, he actually said that if it was ever shown that the preborn was a person, then Roe v. Wade would be moot. The whole thing should be overturned if it was illustrated and shown that the preborn was a person. Abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy, over 65, 70 million babies killed since that point on our watch and in our land of the free and home of the brave. I have all of this, all of it. Because, because, because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15. We need to come back to God's heart. We need to come back to God's mind on children and not give in to the culture's idea because the culture doesn't know and understand the value of every single life. Perhaps there's no better example of the church staying silent in the face of evil than during the recent COVID-19 pandemic, when churches were deemed non-essential by governors and mayors, while marijuana dispensaries, casinos, and strip clubs remained open. Political figures mandated that churches were to be closed and acted as if the spiritual health of Americans was utterly meaningless. 650 coronavirus cases have been linked to 40 churches and religious events. But maybe the worst part of it is that many pastors behaved as though it was their Christian duty to stay silent as their constitutional rights as American citizens were being stripped away before their eyes. Others said that complying with the lockdowns and pandemic restrictions is what Jesus would do. Piney Grove Baptist Church in DeKalb County says it's requiring worshipers to sign a waiver, get their temperature checked, and show proof of vaccination before attending in-person services. Further on into the pandemic, when questionable medical procedures were being forced on members of their congregations, many leaders stayed silent. I have a fiduciary duty over my body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's been given to me by God. So the vaccine issue, the problem with that is no one said, okay, I have a fiduciary duty. I can't just say yes, because you have a stethoscope around your neck. I actually have to do the research of finding out, is this safe or is it not safe? These vaccines quickly developed a track record of data showing that they were harming and even killing Americans, making anyone wonder what was happening? Damar Hamlin collapsed after making a tackle during last night's game. He went to the bench to catch his breath, but then collapsed and stopped breathing. Sudden cardiac arrest is the leading cause of death in young athletes. It's still an experimental drug that you're putting in your body and you have a fiduciary duty to guard against experimental things that you put in your body. That's a Christian value. If you don't have sovereignty over your body, you don't have it over your family <clears throat> or your community or your state or your nation. Was this a plan for control by the government? Was this a test run for communism? But many pastors meekly adopted the stance that it was the Christ-like thing to do to submit to the government authorities and not put up a fight, nor even to mention such tremendously serious issues resulting from these mandates because somehow it was thought to be for the greater good of the people. Many Catholics might be wondering whether or not they should take this coronavirus vaccine. I would tell them absolutely. Wearing a mask is the great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Many people have used Romans 13 
as a way of getting around and away from their Christian duty. Many say that we're called to support, serve, and be faithful to the powers that be. And that is true, but it's true up to a point. What if these powers that be that are ordained by God Take the approach that Hitler took. Should we bow to those individuals who are in authority? What if they take on a more Stalin approach? At some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. Should the church bow and embrace what the culture is saying? We don't bow to the culture while using scripture to support our support of evil. However, we resist the culture. We become individuals who display peaceful and civil disobedience, but we do what is necessary to stand against those who seek to defy the Word of God. What the United States is facing today and the direct parallels to early Nazi Germany are undeniable. In 1933, when the Nazis came to power, the German Constitution still guaranteed freedom of speech and freedom of the press. However, in 1934, just a year after Hitler became Fuhrer, it became illegal to criticize the Nazi government. Germans were not even allowed to tell jokes about Hitler. It was considered an act of treason. They closed down freedom of speech, freedom of the press, We get an email that says uh, that we violated the rules for hateful conduct. Um, and they cited a specific article of ours. We we're doing a, a satirical take on, um, you know, the US, USA Today recently naming uh, Rachel Levine, a transgender individual, um, as uh, one of their picks for women of the year. So we did the satirical take on this and, and we named uh, Rachel Levine as our pick for man of the year. Um, and Twitter didn't like that very much. They took over all anti-Nazi newspapers. They controlled what was in newspapers, on radio, and in newsreels. They had student organizations, teachers, professors, and librarians put together lists of books that were un-German, and then proceeded to ban and burn those books. When the textbooks were removed from the classroom, they added others which taught students how to obey the Nazi party, how to love Hitler, and hate the Jews. We have seen the elites in our government cancel those who disagree, but we've seen them demonize anyone who does not agree with them loudly enough. The governor just announced the state of California will now find the Temecula Valley Unified School District $1.5 million for what he calls its willful violation of the law. The governor released a statement that reads in part, three political activists on the school board have yet again proven they are more interested in breaking the law than doing their jobs of educating students. So the state will do their job for them. They want to silence us. They want to take our amplification. They want to remove our microphones. They want us to be quiet and no longer speak. And too many today have started to self-censor themselves as a means of not going against the grain and doing what's comfortable and going along to get along. Tonight, a deafening silence from the president's Twitter account in his waning days as commander-in-chief. Big tech works aggressively and in secret with government agencies to subvert the outcome of what the rest of us assumed were free and fair elections. I was uh, born, raised, educated under communist China. I just observed uh, striking similarities between China, of course, even the United States of America. I find uh, we are really in America descending into a very uh, dark uh, kind of uh, reality. When the Nazis took over in 1933, the first people targeted for arrest and imprisonment were their political opponents. The Nazis did not tolerate criticism, dissent, or nonconformity. 
They built Dachau concentration camp in the spring of 1933, and by the end of that year, nearly 27,000 people were imprisoned there, mostly political opponents. Between 1933 and 39, the Nazis and the German criminal courts sentenced thousands of citizens for political crimes. I'm sorry, so what is this regarding? This is a search warrant. Open up. The FBI raided the home of Project Veritas CEO and founder James O'Keefe. I woke up to a pre-dawn raid. I went to the door to answer the door, and there were 10 FBI agents with a battering ram. Uh, white blinding lights, they turned me around, handcuffed me. The beginning of the counselor's second year in office was jolted by an FBI search of her home, one she shares with her husband, reporter Tim Burke. New reporting here after that unprecedented FBI search at the home of former President Trump at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. Tonight, ABC News has learned that the FBI told the Secret Service just 45 minutes before they arrived. people, I mean the, the federal prosecutors, the Department of Injustice, or I like to call them the Department of Jihad, because this is a jihad against American citizens. They're not interested in the facts. They're not interested in innocent Americans. They're not interested in anything except crushing people that are in their way. Police in Wisconsin arresting a Christian youth leader for peacefully protesting a drag queen story hour at a local park. This year, police arrested a Christian man exercising his right to free speech on a public sidewalk at a pride rally in Redding, Pennsylvania. Former U.S. Senator and Religious Freedom Ambassador Sam Brownback needed a bank account. They went to J.P. Morgan Chase. After only a few weeks, they learned their account had been closed. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy, the MAGA movement. We have crossed a threshold where left-wingers aren't just going after President Trump. As you know, in the Fulton County case, they've indicted 18 other people, many of them just innocent local citizens. Stalin did it, Mao did it. Um, and look, these are all different garden varieties of an unclean spirit that I believe is Luciferian and satanic, which is about power and control. But first they must destroy the society before they could take control over it. So open borders, inflation. Well, inflation in the United States is again surging to the highest level in 40 years. Reckless foreign wars, bad trade deals. The United States is giving Ukraine an additional $325 million in military Aid. The Biden administration has cleared the way for the release of five American citizens detained in Iran. In exchange, the U.S. will give Tehran access to $6 billion. Corrupt oligarchs getting endlessly wealthy and rich. We are only 75, 80 years removed from three separate countries and regimes that killed 60 to 70 million people intentionally. Stalin, Mao and Hitler. We're only 80 years removed from this. is not some sort of like distant memory. There's people alive that survived it. And we have people being like, oh, it can't happen here. Yeah, it can, and it might. Pastors in particular, and Christians in general in America today, must be alive to the changing culture and pastors must help their congregations understand what is happening and stand against it. What good is it if someone says they have faith but do not have works? Bonhoeffer knew that the time to stand on the sidelines had passed. He believed that if a person was not actively living out his or her faith by fighting against the wickedness of the Nazis, 
and pretending to stay neutral, God would reckon that inaction as participation in the Nazis' wicked cause. Why are the pastors not speaking out? Look, I get in trouble when I say this. I don't believe they're actually Christian. I don't. Uh, they say they are, but I mean, and people say, oh, you can't question their faith. Look, it says in James, by their deeds, you'll know them. I don't see the deeds. I see cowardice. I see apathy. I see the spirit of Ahab. I see the spirit of Jezebel. I don't see the spirit of Elijah. Well, I think what the church represents for men is being neutered. You, you get into the church and I tell people, how are you going to take a guy from the special operations community that used to smoke horrible monsters and hunt them down and then he's handing out bulletins at the door and that's the fulfillment of his life? This is a tactic by the enemy to make men passive to make men ineffective. Men have to do things that are hard and difficult and risky um, or else they're not going to be satisfied. They'll just, they'll get weak and soft. And that's what's happened to the church. And some men are fine with that. But men who are warriors, they're not in the church by and large right now. One organization is trying to alleviate some of that trauma that Israelis are facing. Let's bring in founder of All Things Possible Ministries, U.S. Marine Corps veteran Victor Marks. And I hope Americans really understand this isn't isolated here. This is coming to America and Israel needs our full support and uh, or else this will continue in worse ways. It's going to get worse. I mean, we don't even know the depths of hell. I mean, Dante did his best to try to warn us of the, the seventh layer of hell. The idea is for man to destroy his own identity, because it says about Satan, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates the image of God, and he wants to destroy it. It's the primary tactic. And so when you see a nation partnering when, with wickedness, the end thereof is always the suicide of that nation and that people group. And that's what you had in Germany, uh, that's what you have right now in the United States, and the church is afraid to talk about them because they're afraid to offend people. It's the golden calf of the church of being nice. You know, in the Latin, the word nice means ignorant. So yeah, they are ignorant, they are being nice. Jesus never said to be nice. He said to be compassionate, said to be kind, but also truthful. Just preach the word. Well, I have to make it entertaining. Well, that'd be nice, but how about you're truthful before you're entertaining? I am so disappointed in American pastors the parallels between the other countries we've been in and those happening here is if you don't, if you don't align with the ideologies that they have or their religious beliefs, uh, then you are an enemy of the state. And it's, you can't just uh, stand and hold a little sign anymore. You've lost those rights and freedoms. They will imprison you or they will kill you. And there's no questions asked. I've seen it firsthand. So it's important that we in America realize this isn't something way down the road. This is happening right now, mm -hmm. right now. They're constantly monitored by facial recognition cameras that are able to instantly put a face to a name. Now the Chinese are also ranked, given a mark out of a possible 950 points in an effort to keep all of its subjects in line. Beijing is taking the system a step further in 2020. It's aggregating data gathered by banks, private companies and the state to rate if someone's a good or bad citizen. It's a digital dictatorship and we already hear the language now. People are already saying it. Do be a good person, get a shot. Do your part, get the shot. It's already happening. This has been infiltration into these systems, into these organizations for years. They have been doing this for a very long time, shifting the dialogue, shifting the perspective. I mean, parents, uh, they need to draw a line in the sand. They need to take their kids out of government schools and honestly understand that there is an agenda to groom your kids, to sexually pervert your kids, to go after your kids, to take advantage of them and to culturally kidnap them. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Saturday's protest inside Harvard Yard attracted over 250 supporters of Palestine and this group's demand to stop Israel's displacement of Palestinians in Gaza. Israel has ordered over a million Palestinians to flee their homes or be killed. Your first priority is to your family. Don't send them to a school that you don't know what they're teaching. Do not do that. 
be mindful of their education because you're a steward of their life and you're going to give an accounting to the Lord of their life. I believe as moms today, we, we have a mandate as well to protect our household. And we protect it by not allowing things to come into our household through media, through allowing our children to be programmed, through all the propaganda out there. And it's our position, because if we're not going to take that stance, somebody else will. Christianity is not just about saying Jesus loves you and then going to heaven one day, but that there's a war that's raging. And if we don't take part in that war, then people die. Then real souls are lost. Real families are destroyed. What's the why in what you're doing? Is it fear of man or fear of God? Is it something in your past? Is there an inability to face things and realize that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus? Or is, is God's voice not as profound as man's voice? Are you still paralyzed by what you see instead of what you know? Because today that has to stop. Our job is to be obedient. We're not in charge of the outcome. Win or lose, he told me to do it. Have you heard from God? Then do it. Is there a reason why you're not doing it? Why? Is it fear of man? That's a problem. That's an enormous problem. That fear is, is paralyzing you from something God wants to accomplish in and through you as an instrument of his righteousness. So there are many people today who don't want to carry their cross, but that is a commandment. We are called to carry our cross. We are not called to get on the cross, but daily we are called to take up our cross and be Christians, not simply in word, but in practice and in truth. How bad is it gonna get? I have no idea. But we can stop it. That's we can stop it. A courageous church, a strong church can stop this this movement. As the world looks to us in the midst of this madness, our Bible studies and all the sermons we've heard have been meaningless if we do not live them out. If we don't make what we learned in them come alive in ways that are self-sacrificial and that show we really do know that God has defeated death. He has put history and the future, think of it, in your hands. So we need to stand up against evil wherever we see it. What we do matters. This right now is the hour for which each of us has been born. If we live fully in that freedom for which Christ has set us free, we will see God's hand in ways we dare not imagine. We will see miracles, small and great. We'll see the goodness of God make its way into everything because that is God's will for us and for the world at this time. So, are you willing? Are you ready? This is the hour of the American church.